You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Okay, we're going to get into this series, this brand new series. This is kind of our big winter series that we have been looking forward to, we've been planning for. I'm really excited for the next eight weeks. We are doing this series called A Different Kind of Happy, A Different Kind of Happy. And uh, for the next eight weeks, we're going to be looking at Jesus's words, specifically from what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're going to be looking at a portion uh, of that uh, message from Jesus. It literally was a sermon from Jesus to us looking at his words. And I'm really excited and I'm a little bit sad about this series. Here's, here's why I'm excited. I'm excited because we get to slow down and look at the, the pure and needed words of Jesus straight to us. And I think it's going to be so good uh, for our souls. The reason why I'm a little bit sad about this series is the reason why we need to do this series is because Christianity, so much today when we look at the reputation of Christianity in our culture, when we look at our own lives, when we look at people who claim to know Jesus, the the reality is, is that we make it really easy for a lot of people to dismiss God, to detach from God, or to shake their head in disgust uh, of what they think faith is all about. So rather than point fingers at others, what I'm praying for our church is that we would look at ourselves and we would would not just learn from Jesus, but we would live like Jesus and we would understand that Jesus offers something better. So for the next eight weeks, we're going to be looking at specifically what is known as the Beatitudes. And this is where Jesus invites us to a different way of life that leads us to this different kind of happy. And when we do this, we see that it's a very different kind of message. It's a very different kind of message that people were not expecting Jesus uh, to say. And so the reason why it's different, why they were unexpected, because Jesus talks about being blessed over and over. Over and over, he uses this word blessed. And he says, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed. And I don't know about you, but most of the time when people hear the word blessed, they think of things like good fortune, like I was blessed to get that new job, or, or we're blessed, we're expecting a child, we've been blessed, or, or I've been blessed with good health. Like, like, isn't it fortunate that I've received something that I want, right? And that's normal. And just real quick, don't worry, that's not bad. Like, oh, I think we're supposed to stop saying we're blessed. No, it is not bad to say that you've been blessed when good things have happened to you. You don't have to apologize for that. Uh, in fact, there are a lot of things that make us happy that are just, I call it normal happiness. Now, I said I was gone last week, not to Hawaii, but I was in Southern California, specifically Dana Point. And I got to say, being there, I love you guys, but it made me happy. Look at this picture from where I was standing. Okay, yes, that is my thumb. This is a thumbs up moment right here. In fact, not only was I in Dana Point, Southern California, This is where I was standing at a church. Like, this is where a church is. That's literally their outside. Like, we walk out, we see beautiful trees. We have a pretty good view when we walk out. 
they got us beat. Okay. Like this is literally walking out in Dana Point and it was amazing. And I, I, I even liked the rain, but this makes me happy. This is normal happiness. In fact, let me just share a few other things that make me happy and normal happiness, such as good food with great friends. Can I get an amen? Like I'm blessed when I get some good food, some good friends were hanging out. Here's another one, uh, a getaway vacation. Like next month when we go to Hawaii, that, that is, that makes me happy. Here's another one. Uh, my daughter's having fun together, together. It's one thing for my daughters to have fun, but when they're looking at each other and smiling and playing and laughing and do, I'm like, oh, this makes me happy. Oh, Jesus, I'm blessed right now, right? Here's one more. The Seahawks beating the 49ers. I have not been happy in a long time, you guys. It's been a while since I've been happy. Some of you are like, <laughs> because you're on the other side of this. You're on the other side of this. But, but like, I, I get it. There are things that make us happy. But come on, look at this list. No wonder, no wonder they say this. Happiness is what? Fleeting, especially when you're a Seahawks fan, right? Like, it is fleeting. And so what do we do if this is our basis for happiness? We chase after happiness. It is fleeting. The girls do not always get along together. The Seahawks do not win. The vacations are always out there, rarely right here. And so we chase and we pursue and we're looking for this blessed life. And again, we think that blessed life looks like good fortune, the happiness of getting what I want. And the problem with this idea of blessed, even in the good sense I have a blessed marriage, those types of things. The, the downside is, is that when, if I don't get what I want, if I don't have good fortune, that means that I can't be happy. And even worse, when it comes to faith, if I don't get what I want, then God must not want to bless me. God blessed that family with kids, but not my family. He blessed that guy with a job or a promotion, but not me. He blessed them, but must not be blessing me. What's wrong with me? The good news is there's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with that definition of blessed. This, this is the wrong definition. If you're taking notes, do not take that note. Because what we're about to see in the book of Matthew chapter 5 is that Jesus came with a counter-cultural message. And this is a, a summary that God can be found and lives can be blessed in the midst of disappointing outcomes and unavoidable pain. In other words, that you can be blessed even, even in a disappointing outcome. And you can be blessed even when you're experiencing unavoidable pain. That you haven't avoided blessing or blessing hasn't avoided you. But that in the midst of it, that you can live a blessed life. In other words, blessing doesn't just happen to the lottery winners. Blessing doesn't happen when you're born into the right family. Or, or when you find out that you're cancer free. But blessing, blessing, there's a different kind of blessing that brings about a different kind of happiness. And that's good news for you and for me because we know that happiness is fleeting. We know that it is hard and when we chase and we go after and we don't find it, we are overwhelmed 
with the inability to find it and underwhelmed with the outcome. But Jesus says, no matter who you are, no matter what family you were born into, no matter what disappointment you've experienced, there is a different kind of happy that you were created to have and that God has for you and for me. And so he begins to unpack this unexpected message to a people who were not ready to hear what he was about to say. It starts in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. and says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went on up, up on a mountainside and sat down. Let's just make sure we know who, what the context of where we're at today. The, the crowds, these are people who had just earlier seen Jesus. If you see Matthew chapter 4, the end of Matthew chapter 4 are all of these miracles happening. And people are noticing them. Jesus is healing all different types of people. Word gets out and people are pursuing Jesus and they want more of what Jesus dished out in chapter 4. And Jesus Jesus sees these crowds coming and instead of going, okay, you get a miracle, you get a miracle, you get a miracle, this other definition of blessing and happiness, he, he does something differently. Let, let's continue. It says this, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. In, in other words, instead of just dropping out favors or blessings. He says, I actually want you to learn something. I want you to get something deeper than just kind of getting what you want, good fortune coming your way. There, there is something, friends, that God wants to teach you, not just give to you. There is something that God wants to transform on the inside of you so that no matter if you're having a good day or a bad day, whether things make you happy, whether you're in Dana Point or not, that you can understand that God has something for your life right now. In other words, God is more than a hookup of what you're hoping for. There is something more beautiful, more robust. And Jesus modeled it. And Jesus taught it. And can you imagine the anticipation before they heard what he was about to say? All the miracles are happening. Jesus is healing people. Jesus is hooking people up. This guy over here, this, this Jesus, ah, we, let's go, let's go. So here come the people. They come crowding out to him, and he looks at them. He's like, sit down. They're like, okay. It's like Christmas. Like, distribute the presents first. Okay. Because they know the presents are coming. And then Jesus proceeds to talk about a blessed life in a way that we do not think of a blessed life. And he begins in verse 3, and this is what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. 
Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed. I don't know about you, but that's not what I would be hoping for on Christmas. That's not what I would be hoping for if I just saw people get healed and I want to be healed. If I'm looking for good fortune to come my way. When we think of happy, when we think of what makes you happy, we think of health and wealth and relationships and all the good things, which is probably why churches sound and preach like that a little too much than they should. It's attractive. We like it. We're drawn to it. And Jesus said, hold up. Before you go pursuing that which is fleeting and sometimes never able to be found, I have something for you wherever you are. Who is blessed? Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the insulted, and the persecuted. These are the blessed people. Again, this is not the kind of series that I'm probably going to get a whole bunch of amens about. You know, like, oh, that's right, Pastor. Come on. Give me some of that. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I'm not signing up for persecution either. <laughs> this, is, this is not a Christmas morning message. And think about this. This is, this is kind of a message for adults only. What I mean by adults only, not because we have mature content or questionable things that kids shouldn't hear. But can you imagine trying to teach people, kids, about Jesus and going, hey, just so you know, you're blessed when you're sad. You know, like that doesn't, like kids are like, what? What are you, what? There's, that, that makes no sense. And it doesn't until, until you lean in, until you mature up, until you understand the depth that God has for us. When you realize that happiness is fleeting and there is a different kind of happy. In the Greek, this word blessed actually means happy. It's, it's robust. Again, it doesn't mean the happy like Seahawks winning happy. But, but there is this happy are those who mourn. Like, how does that work? That's an oxymoron. We're going to go through one of these each week of the next eight weeks. And we're kind of doing an intro today. And we'll get into the first one a little bit. But because in the midst uh, of the, these things, it doesn't mean like, oh, these things should make us happy. It's not like we should look at these things and go, oh, these are great. These were, this is exactly what I wrote down when I thought of 2023. My word of the year is persecuted. That's my word of the year. Like nobody does that. And again, I get it. I get it. But in the midst, in the midst of the circumstances we have there, there is something that is better. Because on the other side of experiencing this comes a blessing. Look at what it is. Blessed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They shall be comforted. They shall inherit the earth. They shall be filled. They shall be shown mercy. They shall see God. They shall be called children of God. Great is your reward in heaven. The blessing isn't what we find ourselves in. The blessing is the pursuit of God in the midst of it. And the outcome is a different kind of happy. It is a blessed life. When we choose to live unlike others, we experience an unexpected blessing. And we find ourselves, and it's weird to say, but we find ourselves with a different kind of happy. 
And these statements show us the potential of what God wants to do in our life. It's not just a suggestion. It's not like the Ten Commandments of the New Testament. Like, hey, you know, like this is kind of something to aim for. No, no, no. This is the life that Jesus modeled. And this is the life that Jesus invited us into. Especially when we're looking to Jesus just to get hooked up. Maybe if I turn my life to God, I'll be happy again. Maybe if I turn my life to God, I'll get the job. Maybe he'll send me the right person. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll get good fortune. Instead, Jesus is saying, the good fortune is finding life in me. No matter what happens, you can have a different kind of happy. When you study this out, theologians kind of point out to four things about the Beatitudes specifically that we need to keep in mind. Uh, they are essential, moral, eschatological, and missional. I'll explain. They're essential. In other words, this is a description of what you are meant to be, the kind of life that, that you are called to be in the king, kingdom of God. Again, it's, it's essential. Like, we need to pursue this. We need to go, what does it mean for me to lean into this all the way? Number Number two, it's moral. This isn't just like a suggestion. This is how the world should experience followers of Jesus. Think of how the world, in general terms, experiences Christianity now. The world thinks of Christians as angry, as defensive, as against, as better than. But this is, this is our moral compass. To embody Jesus, and Jesus shows us what it is because he didn't just teach this, he modeled it. It's eschatological. This is a theological frame talking about, a phrase talking about the end times or, or eternity with the end in mind. In other words, this is how life, this is life in the kingdom of God. As we look forward, it's not going to be one of dominance and we win and they lost and yeah. The life that we're invited into, the kingdom, Jesus said, is now but it's also not yet. We are, we are to engage in this now because this is the direction that we're headed. This is the life of happiness. There is something that God wants to do to root out all the ugly in us and input his beauty into our lives. And it is missional. It is missional. This is how the kingdom of God advances. Not through dominance, not through anger, not through defensiveness. The kingdom of God advances through living like Jesus. Sky Jathani puts it this way. We can only pursue the mission of heaven using the methods of heaven. And that always looks like the humble self-sacrifice of Jesus. This is the way forward. The people that Jesus were talking to were longing for power. They were longing for dominion. There was Roman tyranny. They were waiting to be set free for freedom to be given to them, for them to, to be in charge once again. And they were ready for the Messiah to hook them up and overthrow the enemy. And Jesus is like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, your way is not my way. I have a life for you to live and you will be blessed. There is a better way to live. So again, we're going to look at each one of these um, uh, each week. And today we're going to look at this first one where Jesus, and it sets the tone where Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
This is probably the most important beatitude because it it really sets the tone. It it creates the space for all the other things to happen. (laughs) Happy are the poor in spirit. How does that work, right? When we're looking forward to our vacations, when we're looking forward to advancing, when we're looking forward to, again, that's okay. Normal kinds of happy. Normal isn't bad. There's just something more than that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, depending on the the history of the church and the theologians of the past, some people have suggested that this means that we're supposed to be monetarily poor, that we we should live lives of the poor. And that, that it's blessed to not have money, but blessed to be poor and to be poor in spirit. That's a really <laughs> poor, no pun intended, well, sort of intended, uh, poor definition or, or understanding of this. Because it's the in spirit. It's not poor monetarily. Watch this. It's more like being spiritually bankrupt. When you recognize that you are empty and in need and have nothing to give. When you recognize that you are in great need, you are poor in spirit. And when you recognize that, then you are blessed because this is the entrance into experiencing all that God has in the kingdom of heaven. How needy are we? Here's one definition. To be poor in spirit is not only to be humble, but also to be emptied in our spirit, not holding on to the things of old, but unloaded to receive the new. I love this. It's not just like, well, I have nothing. I I need Jesus. It's literally a desire. God, empty me out. I don't want to have anything of my own that, that causes me to think I'm sufficient with me. I've got it all figured out. I'm smart. I got a degree. I got a family. Got this, got that, got this, got that. I'm fine. No, no, no. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Not just humble, but empty themselves of their own doing. They get to experience all that God has. A couple different versions of the Bible. The good word version uh, puts Matthew 5, 3 this way. Blessed are those who recognize they are spiritually helpless. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. The New Century Version puts it this way. Those who know they have great spiritual needs are happy because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And I think even though we think of Hawaii and job promotions and things of that like happy, I think, I think the light bulb is beginning to turn on the more we experience Jesus and the more you kind of line this up with your own life. That, that as you understand, oh, I need Jesus, there is a, a thankfulness, a happiness. Uh, this is the right order here. God is great. I am not. I'm pursuing him and I am Filled by him when I recognize my need for him. Can I get an amen from somebody? That's a good place for amen right there. Martin Lloyd-Jones, famous uh, ancient theologian. He, well, not ancient, 1800s. He he puts it this way. A complete absence of pride. A complete absence of self-assurance and self-reliance. This is this place where we We literally go, I need Jesus in my life. 
I need God in my life. There is nothing of my goodness, my kindness, my well-being, my humanity, the way uh, I'm kind to my neighbors, the way I'm, I'm trying to be a good person. There is nothing. I am absent of self-assurance that what I bring to the table is enough. I empty myself of that kind of assurance. And I recognize my deep, deep need for God. The reputation, again, of Christianity today in America is so prideful, so full of, of just puffing out our chest. We're right, you're wrong. But this, the poor in spirit, the bankrupt, the in need, the dependent, the longing for God, we need Jesus. And so often we're busy saying, you need Jesus. It's not that other people need Jesus, friends. It's that I need Jesus. Come on, somebody. I needed Jesus yesterday. I need Jesus today. And I need Jesus tomorrow. As I continue to follow Jesus, I continue to need Jesus. This is the attitude of our heart. And this is happiness living this way. David gives us this picture after he committed adultery, murder. Again, David had a list of problems, as we've talked about quite a bit. But he was a man after God's own heart because he recognized that he was in need. Psalm chapter 51 says this, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It is this recognizing, God, I need you. And I'm concerned, and, and, and especially America, I, I can't speak. I've been to Africa just once, went to Rwanda. I, they got it figured out a lot better than I think we have it figured out. But I think there is this idea of, of faith in the people who already believe in Jesus, kind of inside the church. I'm not talking outside the church, where they're like, look, I believe in God. I'm going to try to be a good neighbor. I love my kids. I, I'm trying to do the best, so I'm good. And whether I go to church or not, you know, that's not going to change whether I believe in God or not. It's not going to change whether or not I care about my kids. You know, and whether I, you know, it's, I, I, I kind of have, I'm fine. I'll come. I'll, it's, it's good. No, it's fine. And it's just this like, kind of like, you know, I'm not claiming to be perfect, but I do kind of have it figured out. The posture, though, of people who know, like, I need more of God in my life. Our, our, our prayer life changes when we are poor in spirit. Our, our response to, to being around godly conversations and activities, it, it changes when we're poor in spirit. But when we've kind of arrived, we, we might schedule out here and there and, you know, try, try and lead our family the way that we can. But to be a poor in spirit, there is a need, there is a longing not because we are unsure of our salvation, not because we feel like, feel like God might not like us if we don't, but because when you are poor in spirit, you are blessed, you are happy. There is something good for us that we actually want more of when we recognize the emptiness of who we are and the fullness that is found 
and pursuing Jesus. This isn't about being monetarily poor. This is like being a spiritual beggar. I need, I need, I need. And it is uncommon because it exposes us. And most of us, myself included, would rather prefer to be seen as a guy who has most of his stuff together. But Jesus teaches a crowd that just wants the job, just wants the healing, just wants the hookup. He says, I want to teach you a better way to live. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is an invitation for you and for me to open our hearts to want and need and pursue Jesus in a more intentional way. To go into the rest of 2023, I kind of like, by the way, pause, I kind of like that um, we're starting the series now and not January 1st. <laughs> and I'm not speaking for you, I'm just speaking for me. Because January 20, 22nd, you've kind of figured out what's working and what's not since your January 1st goals. Can I get a witness from somebody? <laughs> You know, how's that eating stuff going? You know what I'm saying? Like, good for you if you're still doing it. But I'm kind of starting tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I just, I just kind of, okay, okay, okay. I kind of had some, whew, what, what, what do I know that if it's actually going to happen? Okay, I, I can't just casually approach this. And Jesus is like, if you're going to follow me, there is a laying down of your life. There is a, a surrendering, but I will fill you. I will show you this happiness that comes your way. God has not dismissed you or avoided you if you haven't gotten, if you haven't received what you've hoped for. That may or may not come, but he promises to bless you when you lean in and say, Jesus, all I know is that I need more of you. So as we wrap up this message today, just kind of an intro as we, as we talk, we're, we're looking at not just a singular message, but kind of leaning in as a church. We're going to close uh, the service today uh, slightly uh, different, but kind of the same, because we're going to take communion. We're going to end with a song, but I want to do it just a little bit different. In fact, if you have your communion elements that you received when you walked in, you can just hold them in your hands right now. Don't, don't uh, do anything with it yet. Just hold it in your hands. If you don't have it, that's okay. Um, this is still for you. But we are invited, anyone, those who are new to faith or have been in faith a long time, all of us are invited to follow Jesus. To not just believe in Jesus. To not just sing and worship Jesus but to actually live like Jesus, to follow Jesus, to let God renew our minds and change the way that we think and change what we get excited about and what we pursue, what we even schedule with our calendars. Because Jesus didn't just teach this. That yes, the Beatitudes were the words of Jesus, but he actually modeled it for us. In fact, the Apostle Paul shows us the example of Jesus modeling what it is to be poor in spirit, although he had everything that he needed. Look at what Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus literally emptied himself out. He didn't stay in heaven. He came to us because he loved us. He had everything that he needed. But out of his great love, he didn't say, hey, all of you surrender. All of you empty yourself out. He says, I will lead all the way to a cross. This is Jesus leading us by example. And so when Jesus around the table with his disciples would take bread and wine and distribute and say with the bread, this is my body. Take this in remembrance of me, my body broken for you. We are to be reminded that Jesus literally led by example. And he would say, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. It means that no matter what you try to do in your own goodness, in your humanity, in your kindness, in all of the things that you do well, and that in the, when you add it all up, nothing can fill you to attain this relationship with God. You have to empty all that out and say, Jesus, it's only through your perfect sacrifice I admit my need for you. And so we, we take communion saying, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you are the way for me to experience this blessed life. In many ways, we pray, not necessarily with these specific words, but we say, rather than pursuing happiness that is fleeting, I want to experience eternal life and full life in the here and now and for eternity by following after you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So here's what we're going to do. I want to take some time today to just reflect on our lives being emptied out and saying, Jesus, I need you now more than ever. And we're going to sing a brand new song, a song that has been on repeat uh, in my office for over a month. Started listening to this in De December. I don't know if Kendall's in here, but she sent me this song. She's like, Brian, you got to listen to this song. And I'm like, I'm going to listen to this song. And then I listen to this song. And then I put it on repeat forever. Now we're singing it today. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm bragging about it. I never write it. Um, but here's what we're going to do with this song. For the first couple verses and chorus, I'm going to ask you to just stay in your seats. And as you pray, as you think about the lines of this song, as you think about what it means to be poor in spirit, I want you to, or at least invite you to take the bread, remembering that you're following Jesus who set the example for you. I want you to, to invite you to, to drink the juice, being forgiven of your sins, past, present, and future. And if you're here today and you'd say, Brian, if I'm honest, I'm in church, but I'm far from God. The good news is that you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get to God. He jumped through all the hoops to come to you. And so we just empty ourselves out. We say, Jesus, I need you. And maybe you're weary because you're like, Brian, I prayed that before and then I've just screwed up and I'm just, I'm just not okay. 
You being poor in spirit coming to Jesus is exactly what you need to be to take the step of experience the life that he has for you. So maybe this is the first time you'll ever take communion or the first time in a long time. You're invited to put your faith in a God who sees you, who loves you, and has a blessed life for you. Then when we get to verse three, verse three, Matthew's gonna invite everyone to stand and we're gonna sing it. You'll, you'll have caught onto the song by then. Verse three is this beautiful line. This is the, this is, I'm giving you a heads up. This is the lines from verse three. Your kingdom is backwards. It flows in reverse. What you call a treasure, this world calls a curse. The small become great and the last become first. Your kingdom is backwards. Lord, teach us to serve as it is in your kingdom. Let it be in your church. And I pray that by the time we get to this verse, there will be a yes in your heart and you'll sing it out loud and we'll sing the chorus and we'll begin the second half of January into 2023, a people who don't just believe in Jesus, but follow Jesus and open our hearts to everything that he has for us. So let me pray for us and then we'll sing and communion will be open for you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for sending us your son. Thank you. Instead of just hooking us up with a favor or a momentary blessing, you gave us this life that is abundant and can be found even in the midst of disappointment, even in the midst of unavoidable pain. So I pray for those in this room right now that are in pain, that have experienced disappointment, that do feel on the surface like maybe they have missed out on the blessing, God, from you. And may this be a season of life that even in the midst of these things, we experience a God who is good, a God who is for us, and God who has a blessing in the midst. We love you, Jesus. Move in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.